1: My name is Ronan McGreevy. I am a journalist with the Irish Times and I'm also the editor of a book entitled Was It For This? Reflections on the Easter Rising, which is a unique anthology of commentary on the Easter Rising and its aftermath from the pages of the Irish Times dating back to 1916. Well, everybody has an opinion on the Easter Rising and everybody has an opinion on the state of the nation. What was all the delirium of the brave about? Hospital trolleys, the homeless, the Apple tax affair, unemployment, immigration, white-collar crime? Was it for this the wild geese spread their grey wings on every tide? Or are we too hard on ourselves as a nation? Have we come far from 1916? Well, at the Irish Times ticket tent at the electric picnic, we reflected on the hundred years since the Easter Rising, and the state of the nation. Was it for this? This state is not worthy of the sacrifices of the men and women of 1916. That was the title of our discussion. My guests were Paddy Cullivan and Carol Hunt. This is how it went. Um, The theme of this discussion today is, was it for this? This state is not worthy of the sacrifices of the men and women of 1916. I have on my right-hand side here, uh, Carol Hunt, who is uh, a a columnist with the Sunday Independent and a former general election candidate in Dunleary and a former Shannon candidate. Is that right? And uh, we have uh, Paddy Cullivan. I could be here all night saying what he is, but he is, among other things, (laughs) An empresario, musician, commentator, Callens' Kicks writer. Uh, we used to be a Callens' Kicks writer to yes, together. Yes, together and now historian uh, who has a, a show called 10 Dark Secrets of 1916 Callan's Kicks. Uh, no, I was just writing down that. Um, Carol, let's start with you. Um, this, this state is not worthy of the men and women of 1916.
2: Um, Yes, I I would have to say I would be in agreement with that. Um, I would also be in agreement with um, Emily O'Reilly, I think, said it best Um, one year at the McGill Summer School when she said that we had franchised this state out in the 1920s to a private organisation called the Catholic Church. And um, what we actually, we've never actually had a real civic republic. In this country, we wouldn't know what it looked like, um, because what happened from the nineteen twenties and right up still to the present day um, has actually undermined the ideals, I think, of a real republic. Um, We have we um, franchised our thinking out to the Catholic Church. We have never been responsible citizens um, of a proper republic, in my opinion.
0: Paddy. Uh, well, the, the, that's an interesting take but you see it, it's very important to b- understand why the Catholic Church took over and that's because we didn't have a 1916 Rising then a War of Independence and then a Civil War which it's normally called uh, as I, in my show I proved that it wasn't a Civil War it was actually a counter-revolution as in the forces that were around before 1916 um, effectively they were all on the same side in the War of Independence but then when time came for the treaty and all of that the interests of middle ireland of the time which is the castle catholics the money men the bishops and everybody else came together and had a counter-revolution wiped out the republican intelligentsia and literally wiped them out uh, people like erskine Childers, people like that and what we got then was a thing called the free state um, which kind of handed kind of spiritual power over to uh the Catholic Church, but in a sense, we were run by the same kind of people who were running everything beforehand. It was just an Irish version. We painted the post boxes green, um, we changed our army uniforms into green uniforms, we had the Garda Siakan instead of the RIC. But apart from that, nothing changed. The only reason we actually call ourselves a republic today is because of a man called John A. Costello, who famously uh, was the lawyer in the case uh, that defeated P- Paddy Kavanagh, um, a, a libel case. Uh, and who later befriended Paddy Gavin. He was meant to be a good leader. He was a kind of choice of Shock for the first time when Finnegale ever had power after 16 years of Finnefall. And in 1949 he went to a dinner in Canada and a guy insulted his wife and he literally turned around and said, well that's it I'm declaring a republic tomorrow and came back and there was people on the streets going, we now have a republic when we didn't even have something close to it.
1: Didn't he have the Roaring Meg cannon as well uh, on on the table beside him uh, at the at the ball in Ottawa? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yes, exactly. And and effectively, we're only called a republic because of that. There is no legal standing or status for us to be called a republic. Uh, even in our constitution. It's not in the constitution. Not the even constitutionally are we mentioned. called a republic. So the label itself is actually incorrect. It's because of an angry Finnegaler. It's amazing, by the way, to actually have a Finnegaler declare a republic because they were the ones who fought tooth and nail against it in the Civil War. Oh, sorry, the counter revolution.
1: Is there anything to be said for the fact that. Um, you know, one of the things that I raised in an, uh, an article I did—it's in this as well—is that we got the re- we got the state we wanted, really, because you know nobody stole the revolution from us. Nobody put a gun to our head and said we had to have a good uh, Catholic confessional state. Is there is there something to be said well, for no,
2: that? Well, I would say the women of Ireland didn't get the republic that they wanted, and. Um, th- the women um we had a very very strong um uh, female movement going before 1916 um, and what happened was then Women were persuaded to throw in their lot with the nationalists, with the usual promise, like Labour were promised as well. Labour will wait. The women could wait. Let's get up, the, you know, get the free state running, and then we will be able to concentrate on the women. Then we will be able to bring in equal rights, and they were sold down the river. They actually went in the, in the other direction in the 1920s. Um, women's rights um, were, were put back about a century, uh, again, because of the uh, authoritarian nature of the Catholic Church. So, no, I don't um, think that we got... Uh, the the free state that we were looking for uh, in the 1920s some people did some people did and uh, as Paddy was saying it was a, a very small middle-class the Catholic farmers um, some landowners uh, they got the Ireland they wanted but I think the vast majority of people did not
0: well I disagree they got the farmers party uh, you have to look at it very closely it's not th- nobody chose this even the election the treaty election of 1923 and I have this in my show or 22 which is 16th of June 1922, which inexplicably Neil Jordan put as the 7th of June 1922, just another lie <laughs> in a package of lies called Michael Collins. But um, effectively, that, that it's called the treaty election. And you'll always know it because it's on Bloomsday. And effectively, um, the Free State Constitution was being written. Up till then, women had only got the vote in 1918. So we had the first ever woman elected in the british empire which was 75 percent of the earth's surface which was constance markovits in 1918 give her a big round of applause ladies and gentlemen (laughs) which is amazing then the 1922 election the treaty election the free state constitution is being drafted and actually is released the day before the election in which women and men over 21 are allowed to vote except they used the old rule voting on the treaty, which is women under 30 aren't allowed to vote, and men under 25. Only 35,000 people fought the actual revolution. 20,000 women in mBan and 15,000 men in the IRA, which is exactly 1% of the Irish population fought in the actual war. 99% just sat back and let them do it, to be quite honest. Some people helped them out, obviously, mentally and physically and with houses and things like that, but only 1%. In this election, no women under 30 are allowed to vote, no men under 25. The average age of the average common Amon member and IRA member was 23 so nobody who fought the revolution got to vote on the results of the revolution it's one of the greatest hidden secrets that we don't know about 1916. Griffith estimated about 280,000 women didn't get to vote and about 120,000 men didn't get to vote which is 400,000 people and they still only returned a, major- a minority government uh, of, Komanic- of of anti-shin or pro-shin Fein all six women by the way by that stage we had six women tds all six women voted against the treaty eventually as the next few elections came along we were down to no women in the uh, one or two women in the doll until 1977 was the only time we had more than six women ever again in the doll it took that long women were clamped down on they had no say and they were the most republican of all and it's it's an incredible thing the this kind of idea that there was an overwhelming support for the treaty by the irish population is a complete lie and uh, it's one of the reasons we don't have a republic
1: carl I see, I see you nodding there you agree with everything he says here
2: oh don't don't get that get around i agree with, but yeah actually i do absolutely and but again i think it's because of the uh, conservative nature of the um, irish state and in particular again you have the catholic church controlling the schools and the hospitals which they still do to a large extent, a very, very large extent. And until that changes, I think the two most um, important areas, um, are particularly for women, education and health. And while that continues as well, we will not have a fully functioning republic.
0: Let me just get back to what happened in 1923. There was another election after the end of the Civil War. The added 400,000 voters were brought in, and Cummings Gale, who at that stage recall called had a minority government uh, of 50 TDs which is 30 less than was needed, which is exactly the government we have today, which is a remarkable yes. thing. The same figures actually come across. In fact, Gael in four governments, which became Fine Gael, who ran the country for the first 10 years of the Free State, never, ever achieved a majority and never had the full support of the people. And it was only in 1932 when Fianna Fáil got to power uh, using a few votes that they got there. The Catholic Church thing is also interesting, is that there was 12,000 Republicans in prison at the end of the Civil War slash revolution all of whom had been excommunicated in a bishop's pastoral, saying if you fight against the treaty, if you fight against the free state, you were excommunicated from the church. Now, for men who were actually quite pious, many of them were. This was a horrific thing. Now, only one IRMA man is known as having left that. But when you think about the, the forces against the republic, and remember, the republic is an ideal that comes from 1918. It doesn't come from 1921 and 22 and 23. That's the free state. The republic is what was set up in lieu of Pierce and all the rest of them it is a sacrosanct thing it is an all-ireland vote in which we had 77 uh, people elected out of a possible 100 or something like that it was a definitive Sinn fein majority for a republic in a united ireland since the split in 1920 and all of those things republic has been dissipated and, and got rid of since then what you can see with the bishops pastoral and all of that type of thing against republicanism is that they were never on the side of a republic they were always on the side of a kind of a british type of free state And that's why they got the Catholic Church, because those guys were on side, but they were never Republicans or for the Republic. And no Republican actually supported that Catholic thing. If you say, uh,
2: I mean, and I would say, um, uh, you say British style free state, if only it had been a British style free state. um, I, I think if 1916 had not occurred, and we, we don't agree on this, if we had gone straight through to home rule, um, I think it certainly would have been better for women. And it would have been better for we would have gained a 32-county republic eventually.
0: I don't agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. <laughs> women, women under 21 only got the vote in Britain in 1928. Yes. Mm-hmm. We had it in 1921. The Free State Constitution was but actually a very good constitution, except it was used against people to actually get that constitution uh, rat- ratified. <laughs> uh, Britain but eventually, Paddy. Yeah, but Britain for all its faults. No, no, home rule. We would have been waiting like the, for the apple to fall from the tree over in Westminster for 20, 30, 40 years. We'd still be like Scotland right now.
1: Uh, can I Can I just say, I, on that point, um, I came across an article in the Sunday Times last week by Kevin Myers. I know you're a big fan, Paddy, but uh, he's making some interesting points. He's, about my, he's my spirit animal. Um, talking about uh, the impact after independence, he says here that in 1961, between 1926 and 61, the population of Northern Ireland rose by 168,481, while that of independent Ireland fell by 153,650. Between 1926 and 1936, 166,000 people fled the new state. A food-gone nation could no longer afford to eat its own produce. Is there anything to be said? Would we have been better off at least for the first 50 years of our independence under the British?
2: I I believe absolutely we would have been. No, because, um, and again, I'm coming back to the fact that because in the 1920s, we became a theocracy. Absolutely. Run by the Catholic Church. And that led to things like the Carrigan Report in the 1930s being totally suppressed. We had the worst amount of child abuse. Um, which was uncovered and they knew about it and they suppressed it and they deliberately su- suppressed it on The orders of the bishops and then we had our magdalene glories We had women with absolutely no power this went on and is still going on I mean we of course we, we, we still don't have uh, you know control over our reproductive systems in this country for a Western supposed Republic it, it, it is unheard of it w- 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 We definitely definitely would have been better under the British
0: my only issue My only issue is tying the issues that came after 21 to the 1916 leaders, which I think is incorrect. And I think there was a major uh, attempt by the state to do that in this country. Because remember, we might have the Catholic Church, but Britain has the BBC. And uh, Jimmy Savile et al, a lot of that going on over there. It it was an endemic thing in their culture as well. But you don't
2: uh, have a huge organization like the Catholic Church covering uh, it. Yeah, but, but you have to understand
0: that the winners of the counter revolution established that as a way of keeping people down. Don't think for one minute that Republicans or people like Connolly or Pierce or any of those people or Casement, the broad range of Protestants and Catholics and women and men who started that revolution, which was a vitally important thing and was a signal to the world. A signal to countries like India and everywhere else mm-hmm. that they somehow wanted to end up with that theocracy and my, my issue, I did a gig and kill economics and Dave McWilliams was arguing with six economists that agree with him, Dave's a pal of mine, but at the same time they all agreed that 1916 was the worst disaster that ever befell Ireland because economically we were doing quite well, you know, and we actually had high wages, with the same high wages as Sweden and all of that, of course after a famine where a million people die and a million people emigrate, everybody has more money, there's more space, there's a better middle class, there's all of that, but that Two million people have to die to create that society. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Dublin poverty was the worst in, in, the known, in the known world at the point. The Dublin slums were the worst in the world. Children barefoot, the highest child mortality rate in Europe. It's like we have today, where we talk about, but Ireland's one of the richest countries in the world. I mean, you know, of course, because some people have it. What about those who don't? We still have people living in hotels and all of that type of thing. We can get sidetracked by uh, the abortion debate to a degree. Because that's just a conservative Irish thing. It's oh nothing, so to, case, it's nothing to. Just to say about We've had votes on it. We've had votes on it, Carol. We've had votes on it.
2: I've never had a vote on it. I, I, how many no. other women here? I, has anybody ever? We've never, ever had a vote on it. Never had a I vote. I thought back
0: in the 80s we had votes no, on no, it.
2: No, that no. W- that w- that b- I was too young to vote then. Most women with a uterus will tell you that they were too young to vote, th- and that was only. They t- were in a uterus was when, was when uh, the that vote was happened. Actua- that was a vote to put it into the constitution.
0: I understand that, but what I'm saying is, th- there was a, we've an extremely we're an island nation of extremely conservative people. We've been beaten down by having this theocracy and all of that, but if the Irish people and hopefully it, there'll be a vote put on this repeal the eighth and all that thing will happen. But you have to remember, you the country that you get isn't necessarily. You can't blame the leaders of 1916 who were all shot to death and the women who were suppressed afterwards for the country that we have now. That country was run very simply by Mm -hmm. a free state who put the autocracy in place. And then when Eamon de Valera came along famously in 1932, walks in and looks at the records of the free state, most of which they burnt, by the way, in in the the castle yard, Mm -hmm. two days before he came to power. And he says, my god, they did an amazing job. And he just fell into place. It's amazing that the two leaders who lived were W.T. Cosgrave and Eamon de Valera, who were daily communicants. Yeah. Nobody else who was, was killed, and there was 5,000 people killed in the Civil War. Most of our best leaders, Erskine Childers, none of them would have wanted this society that are we Are you have suggesting
2: today. God's a Catholic? What? And uh, kept them alive. Th-
0: uh, <laughs> no. What are you suggesting, Mary? I'm not saying God's a Catholic. Saying that I'm saying the Brits know they're Catholics, and they kept them alive for that reason. Both of them were on the death list, well, yes, by the way. yes, as they
2: said, the British could only, you know... Uh, well,
0: remember, 90 people are on the death list, including... Eamon and W T. And it's funny how they end up on opposite sides, and they're both exactly the same type of person. The Brits are very clever. They go into countries, they divide them, and they go, "Okay, who who can we get to run this place? Because we're going to leave now." But um, oh, that'd be perfect. Oh, those two, they'll they'll just be at each other for the rest of time.
2: But that happened well before that. That happened during the eighteen seventies, the eighteen eighties. Where Parnell
0: and Tim Tim, uh, that, you Tim know, Healy, the British Tim could
2: you know, they could only hang you, whereas the Catholic Church would send you to eternal damnation. Exactly um but that was much earlier and an awful lot of the leaders of 1916 were um you know pious and were influenced by the catholic church and i would argue not connolly not not robert case or roger case they would have shot connolly in 1918 if they hadn't shot him in 1916 because there was all there was already huge disagreement between him and uh, many of the other leaders who would were much more conservative than connolly connolly would have been the radical
0: it's funny, I just finished, believe it or not, I work with Ryan Tuberley on The Late Late Show. I just finished his grandfather's book, Dublin Made Me, by Todd Andrews. Amazing analysis of that very thing, that these guys could be daily communicants and still be Republicans and still be Larkinites, which is quite, which is something that happened. People were far more sophisticated than we think. Yes, they were deeply religious, as was my grandfather, but certainly when he was in the Cavan IRA, he, by the end of it, he still went to mass every day, but he didn't trust a single word that they said. You know what I mean? But that—that that was the change that happened. It didn't mean you stopped believing in God, but you certainly did stop believing in this bunch of purple-robed Egypts
1: uh, I was just wondering if, if sometimes we're too hard on ourselves in this country. I mean, you do look at the you do look at the um, post-independence Ireland. You think of a sense of disappointment. A lot of it is in this book, by the way. A lot of people saying, you know, was it for this? Is this the type of state we want? And you think, you know, we've made a horlicks of this country, but then you think the 1930s. Didn't, we never produced a Hitler. We never produced a, a Stalin. We never produced a Salazar. We never produced a, a, a military junta like they did yeah. in Greece. We and did, we
0: did the, b- the blue shirts.
1: Yeah. Well, they never got anywhere. Oh, I mean, no, don't be. They did. They went to Spain. Is there, is there not to be something be uh, nine, said?
0: 900 of them went to Spain, and, and they drank themselves to bits, and 400 of them died of the flu, thank God. <laughs> they fought with Franco against the, the Republic.
1: Are, are we hard on ourselves sometimes? I mean, we didn't get everything wrong, did we?
2: 啊 no, I don't think I don't actually. I don't think we're hard on hard enough on ourselves. Actually, I think we're far too um, given to congratulating ourselves, to saying Asher it's grand, Asher could be worse, um, Asher we you know when we're in the middle of the Celtic Tiger we're doing brilliantly. When the recession it's all, it's always somebody else's fault. I don't think we're hard enough on ourselves um, in that way. I don't think we um, we run our schools properly. I don't think we encourage critical thinking, and I think we have a very unhealthy anti-intellectual in this country
1: you stood in the general election uh, just tell us wh- what motivated you to do that
2: well, I, I'd spent 12 years complaining <laughs> about everything in my weekly column. I also spent years complaining about the lack of women in Irish politics. And eventually, I think it was my 15-year-old daughter who said, God, would you ever just do it yourself? And I'm and i I'm really glad I did. I really enjoyed it. I learned an awful lot. And I would hope that it would also encourage other women um, to do it. And and of course, this thole has the largest amount, largest percentage of women ever. Um, we did have to bring in, um, change the rules slightly, but there's still a huge um, loss, I think, to, um, to Ireland politically and in business and in lots of other areas because um, of the lack of women in um, positions of power. And again, it comes down to um, basically childcare, support for women, um, issues like that, which still haven't been dealt with.
1: I was at a conference down in the Tralee where Frances Fitzgerald said there's now a third of the members of the cabinet are women and it's changed the dynamic of the, uh, of the cabinet. She didn't specify why, but she said it did. You said that you learned things when you were on your canvas. What, what did you learn? Anything...
2: Um, it was quite extraordinary and it was a real privilege um, to do it because you, you go around and you're, you're sort of like knocking on people's doors basically you know hi I, I vote for me which, was, which is a really really difficult thing to say basically then you're, you're having chats with people that you've never met before in your life people that you'll never meet again and they are telling you the most intimate things about their lives things that you know that they have not told their neighbours or even some of their own family members it is quite extraordinary and that's one thing that I, I was very impressed that in that way our democracy does work in that way that anybody I thought uh, you know I had no money I had no party I had no support and I could actually go and run for government and in so many countries and um, people can't do that it's impossible to the, the United States even say you know the UK it's very very difficult you have to have money and power and support behind you whereas here we still can you can still get you know independence in there uh changing the dynamic of the government
0: it just means any egypt can run it's brilliant you know i don't mean about you carl but obviously like danny healy Instead ray let's be honest ages. danny healy ray you know it's god's responsible for the weather maybe he is uh, i just want to get back to the about
1: yeah, the point about we didn't produce a hitler or a Salazar. yeah yeah i mean
0: th- th- listen ireland in the 30s i mean okay there was a league of nations which was a very interesting thing that ireland joined which made us independent to britain Kevin O'Higgins, as much as I can't stand him, was responsible for a lot of that. And actually, De Valera used it as a way of doing things. It was emergency, whatever you think. Ireland not getting involved in World War Two saved a lot of our lives. Uh, whether you believe it was moral or not, you can look back and go at the uh, look at Auschwitz and all and go, "Oh God, we should have got involved." But actually, not us, not this time. So many people died from Ireland in World War One. It was it was appalling. We were the first over the trenches. Um, uh, Finnefall when they came in, but despite. You, you will notice that Finnegall don't build houses; They're d- it's just not their thing. But when Finnefall did come in, they did build Crumlin and Rialto and many of the large housing estates that many people bought for houses in for 450 grand back in 2006. But uh, back in the day, they were free, <laughs> and they were free, and they were built by Finnefall And uh, you know, you have to kind of—I'm not a Finnefall person now, uh, nor would I have ever been. My grandfather would help set it up, and then would have got angry at De Valera for hanging IRA men. But the point is, there was a social program done. Uh, there was the sweepstakes lottery, which paid for health. I mean, imagine a lottery that just all the money from it alone paid for health uh, instead of, like, GAA clubs and you know wh- whatever you're having yourself. It, uh, we, did in, we did bring about a kind of austere, I know, theocracy. But also, there was a socialist element into a lot of what came in in the Free State under finna i don't necessarily mean finnegal finnegal were too busy dressing in kind of um um top hats and having garden parties and stuff like that like people used to laugh at them they said that the the the, co- the, the cabinet of W. G. cosgrave etc looked like the members of a dancing troupe from a, a london show like a busby berkeley musical they did they wore pinstripe pants and suspenders and, and top hats and looked like kind of brits in training they also left the courts here with the wigs on them and everything like that, which was a total transformation. Sinn Féin had made up their own courts. We had our own court system, which didn't involve any of that old stuff. But whatever happened, whatever Plamont saint did, did, it, it still built the housing estates many of us live in today. Yeah. It still had a social program. There was, there was a, a program. Until Lamas came along, there was some kind of ability to generate something. Then Lamas comes along, and we get the, the era of foreign direct investment. And which is grand and all, but now we see where that takes us. Where we turn and go, oh, Jesus, no, we don't want your 19 billion. Oh, no, please don't give it to us. Oh, no, there's no need for that now. Oh, there's no need for that now. We love you, lads. We love you, lads. You do whatever you want. you pay 50 euros in the million. 50 euros in the million. We'll charge our own people 40% of their, their earnings. But you, you just pay 50 in the million. 50 ways to spend a million, it'll be great.
1: But, I mean, uh, okay, we've had Apple this week, right? But isn't it a case, a fundamental case, that we would not have, whether you like it or not, they employ a lot of people in this country, we would not be able to have the 12.5% corporation tax without being a sovereign government. Isn't that correct? I mean, we wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise.
0: Ah, yeah. Well, I mean, within Britain, though, I don't... You see, the problem with us within Britain, this is what nobody realises, the reason there's not as many trees around and you know there's these big houses where you go to weddings in and and then you realize there's these shitey little towns outside of them where everyone lives in little hovel town and we were a kind of a a resource pod we were like that you know when um, a camel has stuff in its back or something like that we were just something that britain could use and suck dry anytime they wanted they took our forests for the british navy to beat the spanish armada they destroyed our fields (laughs) They took all of our food. Do you know what You know what our national budget in 1950 was? We would literally export all of our cattle to Britain, and they would hand us a check for 50 million pounds, and that was our national budget. That's where Lamas and the likes comes in and tries to get other ways going and manufacturing. But we manufacture nothing here. We we used to make sugar beet. We used to, used to all these things. We could run the whole country and eat them all, except we just shut down the factories. No, no, no. We're globalization. Best thing ever happened in the world. So economically, we went down a globalization road when we should actually be able to be s- super independent. So that when things go south, take for instance in the 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 emergency as it's called, which was World War Two. Um, Todd Andrews was sent in. We had no ability to get coal in coal from Britain or anything like that. There was a complete there was a complete uh, blockade, and he's developed bordenomona and th- actually turned all our peat fields into a national organization, a very socialist thing to do. He learned it from the Soviet Union in the 30s. And nobody starved for fuel throughout the entire six years of World War II. I mean, that's self-sufficiency, okay? That would never have happened. We would have been part... Dublin would have been bombed to smithereens. In fact, though, if the Nazis had bombed Dublin, they wouldn't have done half the damage Dublin Corporation did, I'll be quite honest (laughs) with you, or the developers. (laughs) But still, the the Nazis would have bombed... Dublin would look like Milton Keynes now. Belfast, Belfast was bombed. Galway, they did it themselves anyway. They're such degenerates, um, but but essentially, you know, we would have been part of that, and thousands of people would have died. There was an element of self sufficiency. There are moments we can look back on and feel semi proud of, and then it all ended in 1973 when the Arabs put their foot in the oil. We joined the EU, and uh, and this is what we get. Let Carol, in here. Carol, um,
1: is sorry, is I'm is a, a part ranter. of being independent is is to screw things up in your own way. At least you know unlike, say, the Scots, who are blaming everybody for their travail, most notably the English, and feel disenfranchised. Uh, 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 don't we at least have the... Haven't we, haven't we done screw things up? We've, we've earned the right to screw things up for ourselves.
2: Um, well, we, we haven't. We haven't, in that, in that as I said, we've never been truly democratic. You know, we've given either power to the church or to... um We also then... The EU, I would say, uh, personally, again, as a woman, one of the most, um, uh, by the far, yeah, um, the most um, important thing to happen to women. We would never have gotten even half the rights that we have today yeah. if it hadn't been for um, the uh, the EC and then the European uh, project. Um, so,
0: what would, in you, what would you? What, what would you? Imagine the minute sorry, you, you were kids, you wouldn't have to work anymore. Can you <laughs> yeah. imagine? You'd have kids. You just you go home and raise them. I wouldn't have to work anymore. That's what everybody wants, right? Uh, wh- wh- it's in the wh-
2: constitution. I'm waiting for somebody to actually take a case for every woman who has to go out and work for financial, for you know reasons of economy. Um, you know, can somebody please take a case against the government because it's anti- anti-constitutional? It's in the constitution
0: that you you have to be um, elevated to the w- w- working that in we the home. should
2: not have to work outside the home for economic reasons. Yes, exactly.
1: What would Mm -hmm. make this country a real republic in your opinion, Karen?
2: What would make the country a real republic, and this is going to be quite contentious, first of all, I think the um, word God should be removed from the Constitution. I think we should be a secular republic, and I think that um, hospitals, schools... Should also be secular. Um, that the Catholic Church should be equal to other religions, and that religion should be a private matter. Um, so that would also finish with, say, religion being taught as a catechism in school. I'm very, very pro um, history, religion, religious learning about other religions, things like that. But the the privileged place of the Catholic Church um, in this country, I still have a huge problem with. I think it limits how we think. I think it narrows um, our perspective. And I know, I know, even just from my own relatives aunts um, grandparents um a lot of them left ireland it wasn't for economic reasons it was because they couldn't have a thought that went against the consensus and if they did they were just stood on they had you know the, the boot was on them and they couldn't have any sort of independent thinking and that's why an awful lot of people left this country what did
1: you what, what, what's 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 the real republic for you what would you do definitely well
0: uh, you know, we give out about uh, the 1950s and say it was a drab old time, but that's what I guess RTE like to tell you. Well, we started filming stuff in 1962, and that's when the country started. That's why reeling only reeling in the years goes back to 1962. The 1950s produced Behan Beckett, uh, uh, Paddy Cavanagh, uh, uh, Tony Cronin. It was one of the most brilliant explosions of if Irish you were talent. Male? No, and female. No, no, but produced the others as two. The, you know the women and. um <laughs> And no, but the thing was
2: my case. Who also no. had to leave, Edna O'Brien, yeah. Edna and O'Brien and all, leave.
0: Leave. yeah, they had to leave. Yeah, no, t- 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 people like their book, and they said, "Great, I'm moving somewhere better." You know, <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's sometimes that's why people do it. You know, and they want to get out and just see the world and stuff. Now, now by the way, but that's not an argument of economic. Um, uh, Brendan Behan was once asked, you know, uh, by um, Eamon uh, Andrews. He said to him, "Are you not embarrassed going out and being drunk all the time and you know representing Ireland in this way?" And he says. Well, uh, at least I haven't, uh, you know, condemned fifty thousand people a year to have to emigrate. <laughs> but um, I, th- I think we look back and, and say that what a terrible place it was. We produced great individuals and great stuff. The, the only way to achieve a republic, the only way ever to achieve a republic, is to destroy the class system. And unfortunately, we had adopted a horrific class system from the Brits. Which is terrible because the Brits actually have a class system. You know they've got like the, the royalty that goes back to whatever, and they've got the, the lords and ladies that go back to whatever, and then the rich that go back to the Normans, and then the this. But we're all four generations from pig farmers, and we should stop pretending that we aren't. Okay, stop pretend- st- Stop this putting like thirteen one and thirteen two on your car to show how recently you bought your car, just so you can show off how much money you have to somebody else we've got to get rid of this kind of class system we have we've got to stop voting for conservative parties who literally just take care of our so-called betters we have to stop bowing and paying the landlord and starving we have to stop treating the EU like it's some kind of um, benevolent uh, 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 uncle that will take care of us while our own morons can't do a thing and then when our own morons uh, sue them uh, you, you know, we have to go, no, th- actually, that EU law is pretty good about Apple, because that will benefit us. You know, so all of these, we just have to grow up. Ireland's like a teenager at the moment. It's a teenager living with its parents, and it, you know lying on the couch going, <laughs> I don't know what I want to do today. What do you want to do? Do you want 19 billion? No, I don't want 19 billion. you're like, I'm living at home. Like, I get free food all the time. <laughs> it's fine, you know? It's OK, and you know, I don't need to do anything, you know? What we really need to do is get up off the fucking couch, Go out and find an apartment and live by yourself and get a job right after you take a bath do you know what i mean ireland needs to grow up grow a giant pair of vaginas because that's a bit of vaginas take a lot more pressure than balls do and i'm telling you right now ireland grow up grow up ireland grow up and take control of yourself be self-sufficient and do the right thing which is take care of your people first and then everything else everything else not the guy living in malta not the guys living out tax-free stop elevating boy band members into jobs they never never got qualified for why is rte a job bridge internship scheme for boy band members why is that there's people in communications courses in dcu going i'll, I'll never have a chance against nikki burn or the, or the next shithead honestly <laughs> we have to grow up be adults, intellectual, and praise our... You know something? The way we dress in St. Patrick's gear, you know what I mean? Like, oh, when the foreigners are up, do you like Ireland? Do you like Ireland? Do you like it? <laughs> when they're not around, we're just like a bunch of dour Scandinavians. That's really what we are. We're just dour Scandinavian type people, you know what I mean, with alcohol problems. We need to grow up, and, uh, but I'll tell you one thing. We're the best educated country in the world. The Brits, they only do three subjects in their leave cert, and they can actually have a choice whether they do two or not. And
2: they don't have to do maths.
0: They don't have to yeah. do math. So I'm just telling you right now, we need to grow up. I know this won't go in the podcast because <laughs> I went crazy. But the whole point about it is the only people we have to look at, to look up to, and I swear to God, it's when you get Protestants, Catholics, women and men getting together, and gays, Roger Casement, Patrick Pierce, Connolly, all of them together getting together and standing up for something and doing something that changes society. That's the only way. They're the only people to look up to. There's nobody else. There was no one else to look up to. I swear to God that 1916 had to happen so we could even have this chat today.
1: Can I just... Uh, I'm going to open it up to the I'll floor. I'll accept anybody a round of applause for that. Thank
0: yeah. you. <laughs> well done, <Patty. laughs> That's for the podcast. You can actually um, get my Jeb Bush request for applause out in the edit. Thank you.
1: Uh, anybody uh, have any contributions to make to this? This state is unworthy of the men and women of 1916. Anybody out there want to say something? This lady over here. <laughs> I, think I actually find the militarisation of the whole commemoration really disturbing yeah. this year as well. We just went to an excellent talk earlier on the commemoration of the Battle of the Somme. And just that whole period of history, just the bloodbath that was Europe, you know, and our obsession with commemorating Redmond, <laughs> you know, in front of the GPO, it just, it just makes me sick this year. And I'm absolutely, I can't wait for this commemoration period to be over. I don't think we should be commemorating, we should be really analysing rather than commemorating, you know?
0: No, but you see, my show, uh, The Ten Dark Secrets of 1916, <laughs> will run till 2023, so I'm not... <laughs> this decade of commemoration is going to make me a lot of money, Jennifer, so shut the, shut up, will you?
1: Uh, anybody and else s- have and secondly, any thoughts? And secondly,
0: when you talk about miniaturization of our yeah. centenaries, you mean Michael D. Higgins?
1: <laughs> thank you very much, guys. For Thanks, coming guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for listening. If you want more food for thought on the legacy of the Easter Rising, was it for this reflections on the Easter Rising, uh, includes a who's who of contemporary and historical analysis from the likes of Sean O'Fuelan, Sean O'Casey, John McGarren, Gareth Fitzgerald, Conor Cruz O'Brien, Desmond Fitzgerald. It is available from the Irish Times website, priced 15 euros and in all good bookshops.